Ladies and future boys, you find yourself in the worst possible situation this week. You have woken up in a large Chrysler, tied down with 18 other listeners. Your wallet is gone. The man driving claims it's for jukebox money. He wears sunglasses. 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 <laughs> yep. And, a, and has a small mustache. He's a tall guy. As he drives, he points at a sign and he says, 15 miles to go. We're heading for the love getaway. Last thing you're... It's a little old place <laughs> yeah. where... We yeah, I'm realizing that together. now that, that I've just made a creepy pasta out of the first 30 seconds of Love Shack, but don't spoil it. Oh, sorry. Last thing you remember, you were hitchhiking on a highway, and now you're heading to the Atlanta Chernobyl itself, the Love Shack. It's a little place where we Yeah, I don't like writing intros. <laughs> Welcome sorry, to. we're just going to rip off random songs that nobody knows. I'm sure I had another plan that fell apart, <laughs> and it became that. Welcome to October, the scariest month in possibly the scariest year in a long time. My name is Toby DePola, and it is officially Halloween kickoff season. Um, this week, oh, this is week one, so we're wading into Crystal Lake slowly um, with the good old genre of children's horror. My you, you favorite know, horror. Your Coralines, your Gremlins, your Disney's The Haunted Mansion. Today we will be... Re- you make fun of that. However, it did have that one jump scare in it that kids to, didn't like. We're about to get a pop series for the Haunted Mansion, so take that. Cool, awesome. It's all based on the ride, not the actual. I was going to say, I heard Betty Murphy's a pop vinyl. Yeah. Yep. Today we'll be rewatching and talking about 1995's Casper. Um, but we aren't alone, of course. We're joined by our producer Kyle. Hi. Yep. Very good. Now, Casper was part of that '90s bracket of movies based on comic books. You know, things like Barb Wire. Or Tank Girl or Spawn. But more accurately, the same bracket as Richie Rich or The Addams Family. Which I'm more accustomed to. I'm not even bringing up movies based on original cartoons, such as The 101 Dalmatians or The Flintstones. Oh, both good. Yep. Casper the Friendly Ghost has seen many a representation since his creation in 1939. Oh. He was made to be a picture book character by Seymour Reet. And Joe, or I'm glad I practiced these during night shift and then forgot about it. Joe Oriolo. He's an Oreo. I was thinking, it's the tree part of our triple tree. He's literally a mix between an Oreo and the the fleshy part around a nipple. Oh, fun! <laughs> so no one really had interest in their book idea. So Joe sold the rights to Paramount Pictures. Um, their subsidiary called Famous Studios for a single payment of $175 while Seymour was away for World War II. Well. In today's money, that is a bit over three grand for the entire rights to Casper the Friendly Ghost. Somebody. Not as good. Hmm. That's not as like tragic and sympathetic as the Superman guys, but it is very similar. Mm. Except in this one, one of them went away to war and the other guy's like, I'm just going to sell this. I'm sure he'll understand. Mm. Yep. So Seymour, um, he went on to work with Will Eisner and he did some editorial stuff for Mad Magazine, Laugh Boy, and he worked at Flusher Studios for a bit. Um, So he's got some big names on his resume there. Um, Joe would go on to create Felix the Cat. That's pretty popular. Yeah. At one point, this dude was literally a competitor to Walt Disney. Yeah. Uh, Disney may have overtook him at some point, perhaps. (laughs) 
Maybe Uber? just a little bit. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> in 1945, the first uh, tune was shown featuring Casper. It was called The Friendly Ghost. And people who spend too much time watching dark moments in animation clips online will know this one. Um, it's a New York-accented Casper. Um, he doesn't get along with the other ghosts who love scaring people, which is his characteristic. He'd, he'd rather be friends with people. Um, so he gets all of his stuff into that classic hobo stick, you know, with the hanky on the end of it, mm-hmm. the classic. Yeah, and he goes out to make some friends. When animals see him, they get scared and run away. Yeah. You know, this happens a couple times. So Casper tries to kill himself. Oh. Uh, while crying on a train track, because trains won't crush him because he's a ghost. Um, two kids meet him and they become friends. He scares away their bastard landlord. And the um, the poor family, the mother, get to keep the now haunted house. Hmm. And that was the original cartoon. The amount of old-timey cartoons where the main character sits on train tracks awaiting death is actually, like, a trope. Tom and Jerry. Uh, no, I know there's another example, but it's gone. Hmm. Um, at first look, you would say it does not look like Casper. Um, um, well, that's because it didn't start looking exactly like Richie Rich, Hot Stuff, and Little Dot until it was picked up by Harvey Comics in 1952. You know the, you know, you know the look, the big bulb head. The big chubby cheeks. They they're all identical. All these guys. You know all those theories that Richie Rich is Casper, but yeah. like his parents killed him, like um John A. Ramsey style. Yeah. Yeah. Well no, that's just an art style. It's, it's like Jim Lee's signature, it's like Gillian March's signature. Um I would credit people here at this point, but frankly it's the most poorly documented some section of comic book history I've ever fucking seen. Like yeah. I, like I know, I guess because it's not a superhero book, it just doesn't have that same historical importance. Look, people like Casper. I don't know if he's anyone's favorite character. Yeah, I, I don't know anyone who digs around in that shit like they do Phantoms or DC or Marvel. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure we can credit this visual look to a guy named Warren Kremer. But I'm not fucking 100% on that. I do like the Casper's He did create inventors. Richie Rich, and he did Hot Stuff, the, the Little Devil, yeah. and someone called Stumbo the Giant. Nice. Considering how recognisable the art is, I think it's his. But I'm, I'm on the face. It could be an uh, It really could. Um, but at any rate, the time at Harvey Comics is what made Casper look like Casper. Mm-hmm. Because before that, he was just kind of a ghost with a head. Hmm. I mean, it's kind of vague, but he was. Um, but we aren't here for his comics, or animation, or the picture book that birthed him. We are here for his first movie. That's right, um, 1988's Who Framed Roger Rabbit, in which he appears at Marvin Acme's funeral. Hmm. If you are not recalling that, that's because the scene was cut. Okay, <laughs> so that his first on lot. His first on-screen appearance was thrown in the bin. Good, good. Lovely. So seven years later, he got his second attempt at a live-action movie, uh, directed by <clears throat> Brad Silberling and written by Sherry Stoner and Diana Oliver. They also um, gave writing credits to Joseph Oriolo for the character creation stuff. Um, and it is, it's uncredited, but it seems to be a fact that J.J. Abrams did work on the script very, like, in his early days. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, apparently he was, like, interning or something. 
I do like that everyone so far, you know, has something to do with food in the creation of this ghost. I think it's just you being hungry. Oriolo is not a biscuit. He's a fellow with a name. And you got Sherry there. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Um, so the title credit of Casper, mm-hmm. um, he was played by two people. He was voiced by Malachi Pearson. And his on-screen acting in the later half was a young Devon Sawa, um, who you will know from Final Destination 1 or Idle Hands. Nope. Not your type of movies. Um, his CGI was done by Industrial Light and Magic, and the actors interacted with him and the other ghosts using tennis balls as focal points that were later edited out. Um, that's so pretty, if, even today, that's a pretty common, like... System. Yeah, it sure is pretty common sense. Cool world. Why don't you try that next time? Just mm-hmm. saying. Um, while I'm bringing up your CGI, mm-hmm. um, this was the first movie to do a full CGI main character in a live action film, beating even Buzz and Woody in Toy Story by a few months. Yeah. Um, and considering that and its age, he looks pretty good. I'm sure they can hide a lot of it in how he's transparent. But I also think you can't hide a lot of it because he's transparent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Considering CGI, like, some of it's shit now. Oh, yeah. The film can come out and within, like, two months you're like, oh. It still holds up pretty good. Like, there's some, mo- there's some moments in Civil War when Tony Stark's head is a little bit detached from the Iron Man suit when he's got the helmet off. And I know a lot of people didn't notice, but it did. I, d- I noticed. Dude. All you have to say is Superman's moustache. I mean, shit, yeah. The Scorpion King is always the favourite go-to. Chris, you know, the Dwayne the Rock Johnson, but like a PlayStation 2 character. Mm. Yep. All right, so other actors in this movie. Yeah, Cat uh, is played by a young Christina Ricci. Bill Pullman, who you would know as the president from um, Independence Day. Um, yeah. I, I, look, I was surprised he was in this. To be honest, uh, he plays her dad, Dr. Harvey, um, named after the comic publisher, Harvey Comics. Oh, that's nice. It's a nice little detail. I like a callback. Hmm. Which is weird because a lot of this doesn't have anything to do with the source material. So Yay! It's one of those. Um, then we have the villains. You've got Kathy Moriarty playing Carrigan. I like that Kathy Moriarty's the actor's name and not the I'm a villain name. I know, right? <laughs> oh, shit. Um, you've got Eric Idle playing her sniveling little lawyer, Dibs. Dibs! We also have the, you know, the rest of the, like, the original villains, which is the ghostly trio. You stretch, you stinky, you fatso. Jojo Brad. Yep, you got, yeah, yeah, you literally, you got Joe Napode playing Stretch, Joe Alaski playing Stinky, and Brad Garrett playing Fatso. Um, it also featured a few cameos, but we'll pick up on them as I go through the movie, yeah. Um, the movie does open up with two kids trying to prove they are big tough boys by going into their local haunted house. Did you have a local haunted house where you grew up? Um. No. Mine wasn't, mine will do, but it wasn't, I wouldn't say it's great, it was just like a weird house. And one time all its windows were open and there was a lawnmower sitting on the carpet in the lounge room. Makes sense. I, I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense, but there you go. Carpet's too long. Hmm. Um, How else are you going to fix it? I don't know. Um, and what do, you, what do you think about Whipstaff Manor? The building. It's cool. It is very cool. Um, I, would, I, would, I would hang out in there. 
Yeah, when the two boys go into the foyer, I'm immediately reminded of, like, those spooky children movie aesthetic. Like, it's it fits a stereotype. You know, you got your Henry Selick type of shit. You know, your Nightmare Before Christmas. You got It's, mm-hmm. like, it's like your Bo Welch stuff. Um, the most recent thing that comes to mind for him is, like, the Nightmare Before... Uh, the Series of Unfortunate Events TV show he did, Batman Returns. Like, it's all that very... I mean, it's, it's Tim Burton-y looking stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like the set, and I like the tease of Casper in that first scene as well. Like, it's... They kind of treat him as a horror movie monster in that one bit. Like, they just tease it a little. Um, so yeah, so that's the opening, and then we start to piece together a bit of a plot from there, thanks to uh, 90s staple Ben Steins. We do like a good Ben Stein. He's great. Um, in this movie, he's reading the will of Mr. Crittenden. Um, and he's reading it out to Carrigan and her lawyer pet simp dibs. He is really simpy. There's a lot of simp in this movie. That's true. Mid nineties simp. Mm, Devin so Jesus. What? Uh, we'll get to it. He's got very baggy eyes for a child. He looks tired. Uh, he's been dead for like a hundred years. Alright, fair enough, fair enough. Um, I love you know Ben Stein's is like super monotone voice. I, I I know him mostly from The Mask, but in this when he's like re- he's like blankly reading out the will and it's just like bullshit foundations. My favorite being dyslexic Dalmatian foundation. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Anyway, Carrigan is left a house in Maine, and that's it. Yeah. You know? She's she's not very happy about it, and Ben Stein doesn't seem to give a shit. Mm-hmm. He's you know his classic way. I li- I like him as an actor. Um, I, I wouldn't say he's acting, because I think that's just who he is in everything. He's a very, um, sobering role. Yeah, he's a, I like to think that's just him personally, and they'll, like, put that man in a movie, and he's like, I guess I'm in this movie. Um, and, um, it's revealed that inside the house there is a treasure. Um, and that's what sets the whole movie into motion, is, um, Carrigan going on a treasure hunt, essentially. I mean, you need a good reason, and what better reason is there than treasure? Yep. Um, so these two head to the house, which is Whipstaff Manor. Um, they're scared out of the home by the reveal of Casper and his brothers, um, which brings us to the visuals. I think they all look pretty good. Yeah. Not quite by today's standards, but I was I was genuinely surprised that it didn't it, look it like... It holds up really yeah. well. Considering his age... And the fact that it was the first time they've done something like this. Yeah. Came away pretty good. But it's industrial lighting magic or whatever it's called, which is like the Star Wars guys. I mean, but when you sit there and you look at, you know, so you said that this beats Toy Story out by a couple of months. Yeah, by a bit. When you look at this compared to Toy Story 1. Yeah, when you look at like Scud, is it the dog's name? Scud? Mm. Yeah, that thing looked like shit in the first movie. Um, yeah, this and is the same the thing, year like as up, um, like... the Claymation Goro in the Mortal Kombat movie, mm. which was awful. And and it's also a year before Mars Attacks, which I've mentioned I like, but those aliens look like bad CGI. But you can tell, like, in Casper, they've kind of, like, combined practical effects and CGI in order to make something that's believable. Yeah, like... And, like, the use of the tennis ball to give you, like, a viewpoint and stuff. The fact that they can, like, touch hair and it works and it moves around is really good. I've yeah. also written down in my notes that it's better CGI than the trailer for Cats. <laughs> um, so Carrigan can't get into the house for a big-ass treasure. 
her first point of call is uh, Father Guido Sadusi. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with that. Um, which I found out is a character by Tom Novello, who we mostly know from being the weird demolition guy from Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Um, he used this um, priest role for like comedy shows and SNL and shit in the 90s, so it's a cameo that is completely forgotten at time, I think. Yeah, because um, I never knew that it was like, and until I, you said something, mm-hmm. I was like, that's just a priest. And you know what I love about that? It's the fucking... I don't know what the word is for it, but like the scale of time and mm-hmm. what is remembered and pop culture and you know what stays on the tip of our tongue. Because the next cameo is Ray from Ghostbusters that in his uniform. Um, you know, the father gets exorcisted. No. You know, he's got the head twisted around and he's got like the vomit all over him. Yeah. And um, the guy from Ghostbusters had a mustache, so truly dark fates all around. Mm. They didn't edit his one out, Man of Steel. <laughs> No. Um, so the next plan is to just demolition the damn thing. Just, yeah. just kick it over. Um, it's condemned anyway, so fuck it. Um, this fails too as the ghosts scare away the demolition crew, and I do love Carrigan just there smoking in her dark glasses, just over this cartoonish antique bullshit around her, and she's pretty much like, "Oh, this is this is so fucking stupid." And Dibs accidentally wrecking balls their car in the background <laughs> while she's there, and. I like that bit. And the scene wraps up with Casper chasing the crew down the driveway. He just wants you know, to be their friend. I mean, that's the whole thing. It's, it's showing how he's very fucking lonely. You know? And that, that we have our lonely ghost there. Um, sorry. We have our lonely ghost. We have our Cruella Deville styled woman after treasure. Yeah. Uh, we need one more element. Of course. Mm-hmm. A hot teen. Yep. While channel surfing, Casper watches a little bit of Mr. Rogers. And which is a thing that's still the test time. Everyone knows who the fuck Mr. Rogers is. Yep. Uh, and he's also watching hard copy. <laughs> like Father Seducey, uh, hard copy was another forgotten piece of the 90s. It was a tabloid news show mm. that I don't think anyone okay. remembers at this point. I mean, we probably didn't have it over here. Again, I love the, I love the 50-50 of references in the 90s because a lot of them are gone. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that happens today. But a lot of them are still hit. So it's the whole big chungus thing. Big old chungus. Does anyone actually know where it began? Yes. Yes, yes, we do. Yeah, we do. But you don't. Yeah, we were there. Um, the dawn of big chungus. Yep, so Hard Copy is doing a, I guess, an expose about Dr. James Harvey, ghost therapist. Yeah. Um, while watching this, Casper A gets some sort of ghostly boner for, doc- for the doctor's daughter, Cat. And B, uses power lines to travel to the hotel Carrigan is staying in and turn on her television and, like, wheel it in front of her so she can see the segment. Which is very crafty of him. I did not know he had the same powers as Spider-Man's Electro. I don't think he did either. All right. Um, from here, we actually meet the father and daughter trio. Uh, tri- two of them. Duo. Yep. Du- yeah, duo. Um, I was <laughs> going to say duet. question my knowledge? No, no, I was just going to ramble. I might I'm be tired, apart. but I know, the, I know the numbers. All right, so Kat isn't interested in her dad's study of the quote-unquote living impaired, what he calls them. Um, she thinks he's just not letting go of her late mother, and she wants them just to settle down somewhere instead of chasing these fucking creepypastas around town. Um, Understandable. Yeah. I, I did feel it was harsh when she's like, you're never going to find her dad. I was like, shit. <laughs> People hang shit on him a lot for not being over his wife's death, actually, in this movie. It's pretty this is fucking true. weird. 
Um, yeah, so he makes a deal with her that this will be the last one. That, you know, if if it doesn't work out, fuck it, we'll, we'll, we'll pack up. Come on, final adventure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, if he doesn't find what he's looking for, that's it. So the place they go to is Webstaff Manor. Mm-hmm. When they pull up, most of the exterior on the building is real, but they've added a few levels to the actual building mm-hmm. with CJ, which is a little less impressive. But if they were going to be more focused on the characters, I'm fine with that. That's a sacrifice I can be very happy with. And I mean, you don't really see the out. It's side only the, of the building. Yeah, not you don't often see. It's just so that they can use like. They're just trying to justify all the levels inside. There's so many inside. rooms and yeah. stuff inside. I think the actual building's only two stories tall. Yeah. The, the, Which the, is... The interiors are done on a set. Yeah. A set we will get to later. Um, so, Kyra is my only point of reference here. Um, Christina Ricci in 1995. Mm. I would have liked her as a book one uh, Stephanie Edgerly. When she was Weirdle. I think she was age-appropriate in this. And she was a smart-ass and was fine with supernatural things. It did, it, I couldn't help but think it. No one else will get it or care. Yeah, no, I, I feel you. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've pretty much met all the mortals in the movie. Um, Carrigan giving them the job and a tight time frame because she wants her treasure. And Dibs is maybe trying to bust a friend zone barrier in this scene. It's, it's a bit weird. He's simping. He's, bitches be simping. Mm. No Sim September is just over, and Casper is bringing it back hard. I mean, he's not allowed to not, but he wants we to. We don't know that. I don't know Ghost Nut. I, I meant Dibs. Oh. He's not a ghost. No, but he's, he's trying to... Dibs is trying to get in with Carrigan. Casper's sure trying to get in with, yeah, Cat. Dr. James Harvey's trying to chase his uh, late wife. I mean, we all out here. Yeah. Look, one of those relationships has the chance of working out because both parties are on Alive. the same plane. Yeah. <laughs> um, so after that, they go inside and get you get a good look at the foyer. You know, the big spirally, like the flooring. The one that you would remember from. Backstreet's back. All right. All right. Yep. Yeah, they recycled this set for that music video. Bit of trivia for you there. Right. Yeah. Um, so Casper, the simpy ghost, which autocorrected to simply ghost... Uh, my my memory of the character mostly stemmed from the PS1 game, which isn't very good, but given my Googling is a lot better than the Nintendo 64 version. Yeah, that's him examining broccoli over and over again. And also the um, inventory buttons are like 200% higher volume than the rest of the game. Don't know why, there it is. Um, Yeah, so I didn't realize how horny he was going to be. You know, like... Cheering when Cat touches his bed. He hasn't had a fun When he darts in to be a pillow. He's probably just there to sniff her hair, let's be honest. Um, when he's putting her socks in his mouth and leaking on her. Like, all that shit's gross. Um, really, it's a stinky sock joke. And, like, when she faints, she he twists himself like a wet rag. No, he goes and fills himself with water first. Yeah, I know, but I, I like to say it the way I did. Him sucking on socks and leaking. It's a, it's a bit of a pre-cum joke for you. If you're after one of those. I so, not. so when she screams and falls down, Dr. Harvey comes running in. Um, I love that when he sees Casper, he screams and runs away. Like I was, He's never seen a ghost before. Well, I thought he'd have some fucking confidence in his field of work before coming to Whipstaff Manor. I didn't realize he was a fucking liar and a poser up to this point. Maybe a little. 
how the fuck is he a ghost therapist? He's never seen a ghost or even. It's not like uh, it's not like Casper's like fucking terrifying. It's sure. He didn't run in there and see the kid from the ring. Like it's fine. Um, yeah, I, I did like that bit. I was like, I thought he had done any of this before. <laughs> um, so while he and Cat are panicking in the closet, we meet the last of our characters, properly the ghostly trio, because they're they sort of cameo earlier in the movie, but you don't get them properly. Um, they're returning from a night at the horse track. Of course. Um, they're hedging their bets by spooking the ghosts to the starting line so they go faster. Which is great. Um, yep, yeah, Fatso sounds a lot like the big dude from Everybody Loves Raymond, because that's who he is. That's the casting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and I like his man titty physics. Mm. Yep. The other two sound like Lenny from The Simpsons. Hmm. Yeah, Casper. I can't do the impression, but they remind me of Lenny from Simpsons. I will take your word for it as someone that is not... A big Simpsons person? No. No. He's friends with Carl. I know who <laughs> the character is, I just can't, you know... Alright. I can't give you an impression to play off of. Oh, I couldn't either. I, I apologise, but... Simpsons was banned in my household. And you, I just, yeah, you were one of those kids. By, by the time I was able to watch it on my own, I'd it was, aged it was out. Done. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, now they're here and they see people are staying in their place. So they have to be a threat and violent, but to a kid movie level, which I always enjoy. Um, they do, like, they, they spook Dr. Harvey by changing his face into a barrage of cameos in front of the mirror. Um, Clint Eastwood's there, Rodney Dangerfield's there, Mel Gibson's there, and the Crypt Keeper from The Crypt Keeper is also one of the faces. They end up sword fighting with umbrellas and shit. <laughs> like, I like how relatively harm- harmless these people are. Yeah, it's my kind of horror. Yeah, they're mostly just smart-ass troublemakers. Uh, they end up getting vacuumed up, Luigi's Mansion style. Yeah, in that scene, one of the ghosts gestures at the vacuum and... Asks, quote-unquote, what the hell is that thing? Yeah. Um, in today's political correctness era, I was kind of surprised that a movie that is only PG for supernatural themes and nothing else says stuff like that. Like, Wait, the fact that they said... No, they literally said, what the hell is that? Oh. That's fine. Well, I, was, I was surprised. Like, in today's age, you couldn't bring up hell in a fucking movie that doesn't have, like, a, you know, a warning on it. They're ghosts. Yeah. That's their point of reference. Look, I was just surprised, because this is a fucking children's movie, and these days you're lucky if, you know, Bob the Builder's pretty edgy by children's film at this point. <laughs> yeah. Um, that gets completely bested in the next scene, though. Um, the breakfast scene between Casper oh, and I Kat like the breakfast is probably the only memory of this movie I had going into this again. Um, the whole thing where he's like, I'm made of that tingly feeling when your foot falls asleep is about all I remember to this movie. Hmm. Um, yep, so he, again, is laying it on thick to old cat. He's like, mmm, look at me making breakfast for the woman who slept in my bed last night. How would you like your ex? Alive. Ugh, fertilized. What? He doesn't have eggs, so we'll just go with he, alive. He, he should have sperm, not eggs. Some would argue that. All right. Um, he should also have legs. And then when the father comes in, he's all like, oh, I wasn't going to smash you know, it's one of those, yes. I was behaving. Um, anyway, the trio show up. Um, they're, they're rude enough to be asked to leave a bus terminal, but that's about the extent of evil they are. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, they're just annoying. Yeah, and I love, love, love how dismissive Cat is. Like, like I said, um, saying hell in the last scene gets bested when they're like, get out of our house, and Cat is like, piss off. That's, there's a quote in this movie, piss off. I was like, oh, I missed that one. Ah, oh, teenagers. Yeah, I love, yeah, they're so petulant. They'll say that to supernatural entities. Well, I mean, she's been moving around schools again and again because her dad is a ghostbuster. Yeah, she's over it. Like, um, I do really like the almost swearings in this. Like, Carrigan literally will refer to herself as the bitch later in this movie. She is. And I think she wears that title proudly. It's a pretty accurate, you know, claim. Yeah. Um, we can skip over some of the stuff in the middle of this movie. Uh, Cat goes to Marshall Junior High and immediately the school's Halloween dances at Whipstaff Manor now. Uh, it's all very 90s. I and mean, we ha- it is the haunted house. Uh, it's 90s school dance bullshit. You know how it is. Don't stress about it. Um, Casper gets a bit jealous and they have a little D&M that ends with him asking a sleeping girl if he can keep her. Um, I also liked that they snuck a, uh, missing her period joke in this movie. How, how do you like your ex? Asleep. Ugh. Roofied. Um, yeah, I like when Kat tells her that her dad is a little late for the Birds and Bees talk, like, and he's like, how late? And she's like, no, no, not like that. I was like, wow, this, <laughs> some of the dialogue in this movie is great. It surprised me. You know, not in today's age you would joke about a child missing her period. <laughs> um, Alright, so we zero back into the movie uh, on this one day. The trio feel bad for annoying Dr. Harvey so much, so they take him out for happy hour. They go out to do some karaoke, um, you know, it's dude's night out kind of stuff. Harvey is so pissed, you know, he's like, I love you guys, man, and I'm going to tell Carrigan to fuck a big one because you guys are staying. You know, he's very like, I love you, man. You know that stereotype? He's high, not drunk. It's the cartoon drunk where, like, you have one bottle of beer and you smash a police car and stuff. You know, it's that sort of thing. Um, He then stumbles into an open penetration in the sidewalk and fucking dies. That happens a lot. No, you're just thinking of that Soul movie that's coming out. Yeah. That's, I literally, my brain went to that. Yeah, so did mine. Okay, good. Yeah, good. Um, so while all that's going on, Carrigan and Dibs see those, the ghostly, the ghosts and Harvey going out. So they sneak into the house looking for their treasure. Um, at the same time as all this, Kat reveals that she rebuilt Casper's childhood room. Um, it had all been boxed up and forgotten by him because apparently you don't have memories when you die. Um, so he begins to remember his life again. This memory is so far from the source material. I should be madder. As a comic book fanboy, I should be more upset about it, but it's Casper. So, whatever. Getting on things being far away from the source material. Mm -hmm. I I learned a fact today that I find a little bit funny. Yeah. Um, So, you know how Netflix has just brought out Enola Holmes? Yeah. It's a TV show or Netflix show. About Sherlock Holmes' little sister. Of course. So, the estate mm-hmm. that owns Sherlock Holmes is suing Netflix. Right. Did they literally use a daughter to get out of paying royalties for Sherlock Holmes? No. No? Sherlock is too nice in the series. He, he is supposed to be like a cocaine fueled asshole, is he not? Yeah. Alright. So, the estate like is suing Netflix... 
because they made the character too nice. Well, there you go. What I, I was like, lovely. Yep, fair enough. <laughs> um, back, back to... Yep, so, so the origin stuff in this movie and as a whole. Casper's uh, one of those nebulous characters, you know, like a Betty Boop or something. You know, it's really more about a cartoon plot than mythology. Mm-hmm. You know, like no one cares about his personal history. Um, in the source material, Casper was born ghost. So he was a stillbirth? No, no, no. Two ghosts found and loved one another and they had a kid. Mm. He was not a stillbirth. He came out. Oh, is it. If two ghosts have a kid and it's stillborn, is that an alive kid? Does it go the other way? Look, fuck it. It doesn't... Comes that's, out zombie. Look, that's not the point. <laughs> the, the point is, yeah, that, I don't know what the science is to that, but there you go. Um, in this much darker take, Casper was given a sled from his father. He rode it out in the snow all day. He rode it all night. He got sick. His dad got sad. Casper could have moved on, but couldn't leave his sad father behind. Um, his father, who felt, ironically, haunted by the ghost of his son, uh, spent the remainder of his years trying to invent a way to return his son to life. Yeah, boy. Mm. So, after a chair ride into the basement that is kind of a mixture of Willy Wonka's wild boat ride and the alarm clock from Wallace and Gromit, we find the Lazarus. That's right, Rachel Ghoul. This is now a Batman episode. We have a Lazarus pit. Quick, get there's the a, red screen. Look, there's a machine in the pit. And it come out, and that's the Lazarus. But there is a Lazarus pit in this movie. Get the red screen. Do it. Um, so there's a big steampunk Lazarus machine in the water, and it requires a mysterious red goo to be inserted into it. But there's only enough left for one person. Mm. When they say enough left, I wonder who used it that there is less now. I don't know. There's, there's a couple of plot holes, but I'm not... Experimenting. I'm not, yeah, I, I guess they're testing they're on the rats or Casper something. They're not going to put Casper in it. Yeah, they are. So, while Kat and Casper talk about this, Carrigan and Dibs are close by, trying to get into the vault that's also down in this basement. Uh, before Casper can return human again, Dibs steals the goo. Um, Carrigan tells him, this goo can bring someone back to life. So you could stop being a ghost. A ghost that can go through walls. Perhaps, uh... Even the walls of a vault. Mm. Mm. So she immediately attempts to kill Dips. <laughs> She's like, stop being such a baby, I'll bring you back. And he's like running away and there's like an axe and stuff. Um, yeah, it's pretty much die so I can get my treasure. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Which uh, we know that she's not going to share afterwards. Yeah. In the end, she falls off the cliff and dies. Ha <laughs> ha. It's a weird scene, but not in a bad way, in a fun way. It's. It feels like something out of Emperor's New Groove or some shit. You know what I mean? It's quirky enough where I'm like, this isn't stupid, but I'm fucking bewildered. And also, you know, it's not like a scary death. It's more it's more played for laughs. Like, she tries to run him over, she crashes the car, and she's like, thank God I'm alive, and gets out of the car, and it is just teetering over a cliff, and she just drops. Yeah. Like a prostitute in Grand Theft Auto. It's like if you position the car properly. The thing. Yeah, pretty much. Um, from here, day turns to night. Carrigan is a slightly more curved ghost, and she... Goes and gets her treasure, and Dibs decides not to revive her in his rambling speech about how she can haunt him all he wants. Um, I mean, he yep. wouldn't mind that. Yep, she, yeah, all she wants, it's great. Like, it's for a weird kid's flick, man, this speech. 
You can haul me all you want. I'll be I'll be living in a big mansion with purple walls, green carpets, and a little dog named Carrigan, and it'll be a bitch just like you. I was like, what? Why would you want a dog you hate this Because he grew up here. I, I don't know if he did. He's, he wants a dog to bully him. That's his fucking goal in life, apparently. Um, yep, so he's clearly forgot all the times we see ghosts touch shit in this movie because he's immediately punched through the window and fucking zooms off like Team Rocket. Yeah. I don't think we see him again. Blessing us right. again. At this point, I was noticing how quick shit is coming in and going out of this mm-hmm. movie. Like, the pacing starts to get really strange towards the end. Like, Carrigan dies, becomes a ghost, uh, and Kat and Casper ask her if she has unfinished business. She says, no, I got my treasure. I'm all set. So she immediately crosses over and is gone. Ha! <laughs> uh, it's all within, like, a few minutes. Yeah. It's all very quick. Um, it's revealed the treasure was just a signed baseball that Casper had put in the vault. Um, and the treasure map was him playing pirates with his dad in the lab at the time. So that's 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 what that explanation was. It's not a crazy reveal, but it's at least a reveal. We find out what's in this box, crank high voltage or Pulp Fiction. Yeah. And that, that's a trope that annoys people, the mystery box kind of thing. Before Casper can use the Lazarus again, the trio bring home Dr. Harvey. He did. Who died drunk and I think may have stayed drunk. Yes. Apparently that's a thing. It carries over. His ghost is probably the strangest looking of the whole bunch. Like, Carrigan's was cartoonish. But, and, and she's barely in the movie. Whereas this one, you can't help but compare it to the human. So it does feel a little bit strange because it's elongated. It looks like a more yeah. cartoonish. So it is, it's a bit strange. But he doesn't stay a ghost long, so don't worry about it. Casper gives up his Lazarus goo for him, and bingo bango, he is normal. Everything's back to normal. Cat has her party. Two of the 90s kids who were going to bully her get spooked by the actual ghosts and leave, so that plot didn't really fucking matter anyway. Takes care of itself. So while all that's going on, Casper is sitting in his room being a bit blue and sad and depressed. It's one of the grossest looking moments of the movie, though, because when he, he like, yawns real big and a train and his toy train goes through his mouth. Yeah. Ugh. He stretches a bit. It looks icky. Look, he's a ghost. He's not held down by, you know, muscles and tendons. I don't know. This scene, I hate to admit it, made me have flashbacks to a different movie. So Casper is upstairs and away from the party downstairs when his friend's mother finds him there. I may have been thinking about other 90s movies a lot. So um, Stifler's mum aside, it's Cat's mother, not Stifler's. Stacey's mom has got it going on. Well, Stifler's mom has got it going on. Isn't it? Jennifer Coolidge. I don't know. I don't know who's in the music video. I've never seen it. That's a thing that teenage girls quote. I've never... I'm not sure that song exists. The point is... (laughs) um, Cat's mom shows up to thank him for giving up her spot as a... His spot as a human. So her daughter can have a parent. Essentially. Yeah, that was good of him. Um, So he gets a little reward for the night. He gets to be Pinocchio. Real boy. Um, so while Mama is there, she also swings past Dr. Harvey as well to say goodbye and be like, you're doing a great job with our kid. Don't stress too much. It's fine. I'm moving on. But I'll just be like kicking it over here. So when you guys die of natural causes, don't, don't do it. Hey, don't, don't kill yourself. But I'll, I'll be over there. Don't go partying with your, you know, don't ghost f- best friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and I do like the detail that Stretch, Stinky, and Fatso genuinely did go looking for her in the afterlife. Because, like, they do, they do this whole bit 
where they're like, she's just through this door and he goes in the door and he's kissed by Fatso in a ch- in a chick outfit. <laughs> it's one of those classic Bugs Bunny trans kind <laughs> of gigs. You, you know how it is. Yeah. But literally in the background, they're like, yeah, we'll actually... Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. It seems fair. We've, we've messed with him enough now. We tongue-kissed we tongue kissed him. The least we can do is uh, give him his wife. wife. Yeah. <laughs> Again, the least evil villains I've ever fucking seen in a movie. They're just kind of like... Even the gremlins are like worse than these guys. The gremlins kill things. Yeah. These guys are... They're nothing. I mean, they, they kill him. He falls down a fucking hole. He they did have, not have anything to do with that. He wouldn't have if they didn't get him drunk. Yeah. Um, after these touching little moments, like with Casper and the mom, and Casper reverting to a ghost and dancing with Cat, and, you know. Um, Devin Sawa. Yeah, all the students scream and run at that point, mm-hmm. like when he Devin turns back Sawa. into a ghost. Um, then the trio put on leopard print shirts. Um, I would say that's it, but lastly, I'd like to say fuck the trend of 90s movies using old stuff. And doing shitty covers of the theme song in the end credits. It's the worst fucking trend. No. I'd rather Will Smith do a rap to movies he's not even in. It's I don't great. care. I would take that over, like, whoop Adam's family. There it is. Let's never forget that fucking atrocity. I'm no, so, I'm pretty sure the Flintstones great. had one as well. They suck. They no. all suck. No, they brought it back from Mulan. It's the only good thing about the film. What, you didn't like all the hate crimes and stuff? The weird crediting. The weird, we're going to make it more realistic. Hang on, this woman turns into a bird. Let's make her magic because it's more believable than a woman who's got abilities is equal to a man. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it, Disney. Yeah. So what do you think of the Casper film? It was great. It was much better than I remember it, but then again, I don't remember it at all. Yeah, we had this whole argument, and I was like, there's the blonde chick in it. Toby's like, what? no. Because I remember there being a brunette ghost and not the mother... I don't know what I was thinking of yet. I'm sure it no, was something no, stupid. We worked out that you were thinking of um, Casper and Wendy. No, 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 no. I got tripped up there because it was Hillary Duff, and that surprised me. That was a different. There's a whole kettle of fish. It turns out I watched Casper a lot more than I realized. I watched Casper because I had a pretty good like memory for the yeah. majority of the film. However. I wasn't a big spooky person, but I used to watch, like, this, Halloween Town, the, Nightmare the, Before Christmas, yeah. like... Your gentle ch- Children's teen, like, horror films was a whole genre in my When you say teen, you mean, life. like, 12. <laughs> okay. Tween wasn't a thing when I was growing up, but no. tween movies. Yeah. And I still, I will happily spoil in this little genre I have created... Because I like it. It is good. It's it's not spooky enough to scare me, but it's not like dandy enough to be dandy. Yeah. I like I like that nice middle ground. Um. Final thoughts. Yeah, that, that's it. I I think it's a good. It, sh- it should be more of a Halloween tradition. I'm surprised I have forgotten this movie. It's like, Hocus Pocus still fucking sits around no matter what we do. Um. What else? Nightmare Before Christmas is always a staple. This could fit in that, like, watch this with your kid on Halloween kind of flick. Yeah. I'm, I'm surprised it's it, it's Ca- fallen Casper, a bit under the rug. It's Nightmare weird. Before Christmas. Um, what was the other one you just said? Hocus Pocus. Hocus Pocus, Halloween Town, and it's 
Carl. Uh, even Carlin's pretty bitching, honestly. Carlin, we'll just, we'll chuck it in there. Yeah. But that's sort of these are the they're yeah. family friendly flicks. Yeah. Yeah. With like substance. Um, speaking of substance or lack thereof, homework time. Uh, yeah. Like I said, most of this movie's memory for me stems from the shitty PlayStation game. Um, so I would like to know if you have, I don't want to say favorite, what is a prominent shitty movie tie-in game in your memory? I would say like your worst, maybe? Um, Because as, as a Disney fan, you have probably seen some of the most brutally terrible tie-in games. Weirdly, we didn't play a lot honorable, of tie-in games. Honorable mention to the fucking depth of field in that Treasure Planet game we had. I see. How'd you feel about Lilo and Stitch? I I was going to say, we we didn't play an awful lot of, um, like, tying. We did play The Lion King. I was going to say, you say that, but you played Lion King and DuckTales and stuff. We played Lion King, we played Aladdin. Mm -hmm. Um, Lion King was so hard. Aladdin was good. Lion King was hard. Lion King was a scam to make you go back to Blockbuster and hire it again so you could But see, it. we bought it, so... I know. It was an ongoing issue that I had. It was part of that arcade error of make them put another penny in it. Mm. Of difficulty. Um, like I said, honourable mentions what, to, like... Lilo and Stitch was terrible. What about the big sand monster that's not in but the movie? But you were always a pixel off, and nothing in the game was in the movie. Except for the cutscenes that randomly have no context to the game whatsoever. They're just in it. It didn't make sense. Casper's one of my favorite goofy, stupid video games. Um, I saw a speedrunning technique recently that made me jealous of my speedrunning techniques as a boy. Which I didn't know was a speedrunning thing. That was just me being lazy. Um, Yeah, The Treasure Planet sucked ass. Lilo and Stitch sucked ass. Uh, I'm trying to think of some like newer ones. But a lot of mine were PS One era. I mean, I do remember was, like that was when they really come from Ender and in. Finding Him and all that shit. I didn't bother with the Madagascar ones. My answer is going to be Charlie's Angels. That had a time game. Google that shit. It is. You'd be surprised what console it's on. It's such a clunky, ugly mess. Like there's invisible walls that you can't go through. Some of the some of the story doesn't quite load. Um, the characters look terrible. Uh, Catwoman's another bad one, but I will go with Charlie's Angels. Okay. That is a bad tie-in game for a delightfully absurd film. Hmm. I didn't. Okay. All right. Well, after we go off there, I'll show you some of that gameplay, and you will maybe throw up in your mouth a little bit. But that. I look forward to it. Yeah, but that is your problem, and not the listeners. So I will let them go. Welcome to October. Spookabalooza month. Yes. I, th- I hope this was a nice uh, toad dip, because I believe this is coming out on the 1st of October, so we've got a long fucking way to go. Yeah. In the meantime, I am your host, Toby DePola. I'm joined by... I'm Kaya. Um, Feel free to message us. So, if, if you've been around for a while, mm-hmm. you know that our last episode, either before or on Halloween, is a um, top ten list. It's pretty much just like 10 mini episodes. It's a. I was thinking of it more as like a trick or treat bag Hmm. full of random little bits of junk. Feel free to. We've we've been doing it now for what, two, three years? Maybe three. Feel feel free to message us if there's something that you think we need to know about. Yeah. 
in yeah. order to you to know, have a recommendation. Give a little little trick or treat for Halloween. Yeah. Alright. Um Peace out. Yeah, scare a kid. Class dismissed. <laughs>